Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. I want to talk to you today about the concept of the family of God, and I think for us to truly understand God's view on this, we have to understand the mindset of the way the family unit was set up in the time that the scriptures were written. We hear things like Jesus being called our Redeemer, but to us in our culture, that's something that seems very foreign. But in the Middle Eastern culture, in the time, for example, of Abraham, you had a nomadic people, and they lived in a family unit. They had a dwelling place, while the father or the patriarch of the family, he took care of all of the needs of the family. Now, everyone in the family worked. They all had their different roles, their functions, their trades, all that they were doing, but all of the resources ultimately came back to the father, and he made the decisions on how to distribute them. It was his job to see to it that everyone's needs were met, that everyone had provision, that everyone was protected. But more than that, it was his job that if somebody was lost from the family, that if somebody went into slavery, somebody was caught up and made captive by an enemy, somebody fell into debt because of their own wrong decisions to a cruel master, it was the father's job to take all the resources of the family, whatever was needed, to do whatever was necessary to go out and redeem that person into the family. It was not uncommon for people to be adopted in from extended family. This was the role of the Redeemer, of the Father, of the Protector, the Provider, the Covering, the Caretaker, the Servant, to them all. I think that it's easy to look at the story of Abraham and to see this man out in the middle of a wilderness and wonder what exactly was it that God saw in him that caused God to choose him to become the Father of many nations. There was something in this man that God saw and said, I trust him with my family. And at first glance, it doesn't really even make sense to us because Abraham himself was barren. He had no children of his own. But when we look into the scripture, we see something interesting. We see that Abraham actually raised Lot, who was his nephew. It was his brother's son, According to Jewish history, his brother had died earlier on and he took Lot in and raised him as his own son. He redeemed him. And we understand also that Abraham had many other people under him, working for him and with him, helping him to tend to his flocks and his sheep and his agriculture and these things that were necessary in that time. And we see through the story that Abraham was kind and he was generous and he was loving and he was fair and he was truly a good father to all of them, even to the stranger. Because we see in scripture that when the Lord and the angels began to approach him to warn him about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, at first he didn't know who they were, but yet still he ran to them. And he told his wife Sarah to prepare the best of what he had to feed them. Now, as far as he knew, these were just strangers, but he was willing, even though he lived in this place of hardship and of lack, to be generous and loving and kind and take care of those who might not have. And I think that this really ultimately is what God saw in Abraham, 
that he was willing to redeem a nephew and raise his brother's son, that he was willing to give all to a stranger, that he was willing to be fair and just with the hireling. I think that because he was faithful with that which belonged to another, God decided to give him that which was his own and make him a ruler over much. In Genesis 18, verse 17, we read, which gives us a great insight into the impression that Abraham made on God. Of course, this was when Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed and his nephew Lot had left home and gone out into Sodom and Gomorrah and lived there. The Lord was speaking and he said, Shall I hide from Abraham that which I shall do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, that they should keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken unto him. And in this do we see that God gives us the answer because Abraham was a good father, both to his children and all of those of his household that were not his biological children, but those who he had redeemed and taken in and raised as his own family that he would teach them and instruct them and lead them in the ways of the Lord. God knew that he could trust Abraham to be a good father and to raise up not only his own family to love, serve, and reflect God's good character as a good father, but also to be a good example to his own family of one who would redeem lost children out of other wicked, cruel, broken families into the safety, love, provision, and protection of his own. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, we read, For through him, speaking of Jesus, we both, both we the Gentile and the Jew, have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God. And the thing that I truly feel like the Spirit of the Lord is impressing upon our hearts today is to remember that it's about the family. It's about rightly representing our family name and character, about representing our Father who He truly is, and being a right reflection of Him I think that when we pray, Lord, make me more like you, when we pray, God, I want to seek your face, and we seek to know more who he truly is, we've got to come to understand this aspect of him as the father, that he has the heart of a father seeking to redeem lost children out of unworthy, cruel families into his own, to take them in to the household of God. I think in this do we really see the great mercy and the message in Abraham's intercession for Lot. That as a type and example of Christ unto us, that through Abraham's intercession, Lot might be saved from a sure judgment. Lot is the lot of us. I encourage you to go back on our podcast and listen to the message that I recently did on the last days for a better understanding of what I'm saying. You see, when we look at Abraham's story for what was really taking place and recognize that Lot was Abraham's brother's son, whom Abraham redeemed and raised him as his own son, 
which caused him to fall under the blessing and protection and provision of Abraham. Now, looking deeper into the typology of it, we have to recognize that the Jewish people were the descendants of Noah's son, Shem, while the Gentiles were the descendants of Shem's two other brothers, his brother's sons. You see, it was always the Jewish people's mandate to bring the lost children back into the family and to raise them to know, love, and serve God. This is very plainly laid out in Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, where God himself said, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you up on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. You see, originally the mandate of the Jewish people was that God intended them being his family, being the direct descendants of Abraham, who God blessed with all of this great promise and provision, that they would then go out just like Abraham did. He was the example for them to redeem their lost brethren back into the kingdom. There was supposed to be a national priesthood that went into all of the world and brought the lost back to God and then began to do what God said that Abraham was faithful to do, to teach them their own children and those of their household, those who had been redeemed or adopted in the teachings, words, and statutes of God. Of course, we know as we read through scriptures, there were times when they were obedient to do this, but there were many times when they were not where they failed to do this, which is the very definition of the word sin. The word sin in the original Hebrew literally meant to fail, as if to fail to hit the mark, to fail to do what the Lord has said, to fail to reflect his character, to fail to bring the family in, to fail to redeem, to fail to love, to fail to fulfill the first and greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and strength and to love thy neighbor as thyself. When they failed to do what God had positioned and purposed them to do, it became sin unto them. And so it is unto us even to this day when we fail to produce the fruits or the character of who God truly is. And first and foremost, he is a father desperate to redeem the lost children. Now, of course, we understand that ultimately this was fulfilled through Jesus and because of Jesus who redeems us and brings us into the family and grafts us into that branch. We are now all given the mandate of this family, the family of God, to go out into all the world and bring the lost children to the Redeemer. How do we do this? Well, Jesus told us in the Great Commission. He said, tell them everything whatsoever I have taught you. Leave nothing out. We have got to reflect his character. You know, Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by your love. He said, the only way to know that we are drawing from the holy root is if we produce the holy fruit. And we know by scripture that the fruit is the very character of God. It's the character of a loving father that produces a functional, peaceful, trusting loving, family, the fruits of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, patience, self-control, faithfulness, 
all of those things that provide a safe place, a pavilion, a covering, a place of protection and peace, a place that we can trust, that our heart longs for, a family. This is why Jesus said that every tree that does not produce these fruits is found useless. It is cut down and cast into the fire because it is that when we do rightly reflect his character, it shows the lost children, the family that they could be a part of where there is love, joy, compassion, correction, direction, care, and protection. This is the mandate of all that are saved and call themselves by the name of Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we read, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. You see, the mandate, it's been expanded, it's been passed on to those in the family that were adopted in. It is our commission, the same commission that was given from the beginning to the original children, is now given to the whole family. And it is the place of every person who has been saved and become part of that family to fulfill it, not just those who are standing in a pulpit. He says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which hath not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. It's our purpose. It's our right. It's our responsibility. But sadly, the church has become so far removed from the model of the family with a good father who cares, serves, and sacrifices to redeem the lost, the broken, the bound, and the hurting and has been replaced by pure vanity. It has become about vanity when it was supposed to be about family. And so I'm here to remind you today, brothers and sisters in Christ, that God is still looking for those who are loving, caring, sacrificial disciplinarians to their own families, and even more so to those who are not of their own loins. Because when he sees someone who tends well in such a manner to his own family, he knows that he can trust them to do the same with his. We see him say as much in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4, when Paul is giving instructions to Timothy as to those who should be entrusted with leadership over the body of Christ. He says, let it be one that ruleth well over his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man knows not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? And I think that also, as it was in the case of Abraham, that when God sees those who are willing to redeem one from under a cruel family, through loving compassion, reaching out and serving those in need, being a father to the fatherless, having a heart after God, tending to the orphan and the widow, to those down the street in need, to those who have no one else to reach out to, then God knows he will do the same for the lost. These are the men that God truly calls to be the pastors and the apostles, to be spiritual fathers over the household of God. In Luke chapter 16, verse 12, we read, And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, 
who shall give you that which is your own? I think this is why you see many of the greatest ministries in history beginning with orphanages. It's a physical manifestation of the spiritual need. And so what we need to recognize today is that true biblical pastors after God's own heart, those that he has chosen rather than those who have appointed and positioned and commissioned themselves are fathers, not lords. Lords have followers, worshipers, and servants. Fathers are sacrificial servants of the family. Jesus made this so clear to the first apostles that he released. And this is something that the modern church has to grab hold of again. Because they've got the wrong impression of what ministry really is. Jesus explained it like this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. It says, But Jesus called them his disciples unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them that are under them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, Let him be your minister. The word minister literally means your servant. And whosoever shall be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Remembering that the word minister literally means to serve or to be a servant. Jesus himself said, remember, Jesus Christ came. Not to be served, but to serve. So that we might learn from his example that to be a true minister of the living God is not to be a lord or a dictator or a superstar or a celebrity. That is all vanity. It's to be a servant to the many, a father to the family. One willing to give his very life to protect and provide and redeem and care for those in need. It's time for fathers in the pulpits again. Not actors or lords or performers. In actuality, in the time of Jesus, the Romans had brought theater into Jerusalem. And there were actors in these theaters that would paint their faces and they'd put on a costume and they'd put on an act in a show for the applause of men and they would sound trumpets before them as they walked out on stage. It was all vanity. It was for vainglory. And the word that was used in that culture for those theater actors was hypocrite. And so then we see that all the times that Jesus called the Pharisees and the priests and the ministers and those in the pulpits, he called them hypocrites. He was saying, you're a theater actor. You're a performer. You sound trumpets before you. You put on a show. You wear a costume. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You're not demonstrating the character of a servant, of a father who is desperate to redeem the lost back into the family. You want to be served you do it all for the applause of men it's about vanity and it's not a reflection of who God really is and it does nothing but damage to the kingdom so I urge you today dear hearts that you would examine the man in your pulpit 
Is it performance? Is it vanity? Is it vainglory? Is it lordship? Or is he a father to the fatherless? Find a pastor that rightly represents the heart and character and function of God, who is a father, a good father, to both those of his own household and to the fatherless, a redeemer, a humble, loving, concerned, sacrificial servant leader. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.